0: 31 this is where we've been we're kind of parked here uh verse 30 but of god but of him are ye in christ jesus who of god has made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption that according as it is written he that glorieth let him glory in the lord and uh we were uh, sitting here kind of because of the issue of um uh, terry when you come in close that door right that one yeah please. That way, that door, people kind of have a thank you. Not that one. You can leave that one, okay? Verse 30. Well, because then that way when people come in, they're not thinking they're interrupting in here. So uh, verse 30. Uh, we're, we're here. We're going to spend, we spent last week, we're going to talk this morning about Christ, our righteousness, and in the next couple weeks finish out because I and I thought about this. I don't want to run through this information. I want to Look at it because of what Paul is doing here in, with the Corinthians. And as the Corinthians began to value human wisdom over God's wisdom, as the Corinthians began to move toward philosophy and religion and tradition over God's word and God's thought process and God's thinking, then Paul is reminding the Corinthians of, some, of, of, of the issues here. He's reminding them, but of, who, of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who God has made unto us, wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So if you're, if you're going to have wisdom, you need to have God's wisdom, not, man's, not human wisdom. And that's really what we were talking about last time. By the way, I will say this because I got a couple emails from my tone and tenor last week. I told you guys, and rah, 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 I told you guys when we introduced the book that from time to time I was going to give it to you like Paul was giving it to the Corinthians, okay? And the tone and tenor of Paul is not, well, let's kumbaya and all get together. Not in this case, it is not. Paul's tone, he is, if you look over at Second Corinthians 2, 2 Corinthians 2, verse number 1. But I determined this with myself, that I would not come again to you in heaviness. Come again, see? He doesn't want to repeat 1 Corinthians 1. We're in 2 Corinthians 2, 1. Okay? For if I make you sorrow, sorry, who is he then that maketh me glad? but the same which is made sorry by me. And I wrote this, same unto you, see, lest when I come I, sh- come I should have sorrow from them of whom I ought to rejoice, having confidence in you all, that my joy is the joy of you all. For out of much affliction and anguish of heart I wrote unto you with many tears, not that ye should be grieved, but that ye might know the love which I have more abundantly unto you, see. So Paul's tone and tenor here isn't kumbaya, let's all huggy, huggy, lovey, lovey. Not at all. His tone and his tenor, There. and I, again, I, I don't, I'm not going to reflect it at every turn, otherwise you'd think I hated everybody that came through the back door, which isn't the case, okay? But rather what Paul is doing here, go back to chapter 1, is he is rebuking them. And when you rebuke a disobedient or a rebellious child, you don't hug them, love them, huggy huggy huggy, you know, everything's fine. You discipline them and he's rebuking them here for their bad behavior. And again, Paul is laying it out here. You don't need the human wisdom. That stuff is garbage. Period. Doesn't matter what form it takes. If you're using that to get to God, to get to know God, to get to to him, you're banging your head up against that block wall there. You're never going to get there. And that's what Paul's doing here. So I will apologize now if I offended your weak sensitivities. okay? Oh, did I say, okay, you know, what was that thing going around, a, a toughen up buttercup or something like that, cupcake or something like that? I don't remember now, okay? But see, the thing is, is Paul is not, Paul is, he's, he's laying it out here clearly, Okay? And I'll be honest with you we've we know here from proof that the self-help books don't work. Okay, we've had a whole family decimated and destroyed by self-help books because they didn't work. And we we have that understanding. I have that in the back of my mind. Okay? When we went in and cleaned out the room and there's shelves full of Every doctor known to man talking about this and that, and it don't help. Now, it may help you to a degree, but not in the long run. What's going to, God's wisdom is going to? So, verse 30, but of him are ye in Christ, who of God is made unto us wisdom. These, If you want wisdom, you're going to find it in God's wisdom. You're going to find it in his word. You'll never come to know God's wisdom from human wisdom. It doesn't work. You won't get to to God through human religion, tradition. And again, these four specific categories here that Paul brings up now in connection to the preaching of the cross. Again, all of this starts back in verse 17 and 18 there. Verse 18, for the preaching of the cross is of them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. And that's that's the church at Corinth. And really, the church today, you look around today, we were just discussing, talking, the ignorance of people today, it's, it's, it's outstanding, okay? And the value they value human wisdom, they value human philosophy, they value the religious thought process over God's wisdom when it comes to really the, cross, the preaching of the cross of Christ, Again, the Corinthians are saved people, and that's not the issue here. The issue here is not are you saved or not. These folks are saved. Rather, the issue is because you are saved, because God is faithful, because we have this fellowship in Christ, because we enjoy this glorious calling in the person of Christ, we need to guard against looking for the answers to the problems of life anywhere else but him. And that's what Paul is, is pushing towards. You see, when you can't, growing up, my dad always said when we had issues, he goes, take it right to the cross. You always go back to the cross. Take it to the cross. Well, this is going on. All right, let's start at the cross and then we work. Because the cross is the center of everything. And again, what's happened here at Corinth plagues the church today. The modern church is looking for answers in all the wrong places. It's looking for fulfillment, meaning, value, worth, outside of of where God says, you and I have it. Where do we have it? We have it, verse 18, in the preaching of the cross. Why? Because it is the power of God. If you look at verse 24, But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. The power of God, yes, to eternal life. Uh, Come over to 1 Timothy chapter 4. Yes, to eternal life, but also, yes, the power of God to life today. 1 Timothy 4. Life right now. You see the mess going on over in Israel. If you haven't seen it, you haven't been watching anything. Even the commercials are running for it now. Okay? And you look at that and you go, wow, how, look, what in the world? And you know what? <laughs> it's sinful men doing sinful things. That's what it is today in the age of grace. Well, but it's Israel, Rick. Yeah, but if you understand right division, dispensational Bible study, what is it, who is Israel? They're just another nation in God's estimation, and that isn't an anti-Semitic statement, by the way. It's what it is. It's tragic, and I, on it, my own personal opinion, I think Israel has the right to defend itself completely and totally, all the way to the Mediterranean. Okay, but the point is, is God isn't doing anything over there. God's working in the church, the body of Christ, as we turn and as we. Look at things, and as we aren't carried away, but see that comes from wisdom. Human wisdom says you're either on Israel's side or the Palestinian side. Guess what? Both sides are sinners. <gasps> you're not taking a side. I'm taking the side of God. <laughs> the side I'm on. Okay, but the thing. Look at First Timothy four, verse eight. For bodily exercise profiteth little but godliness is profitable unto all things. So godliness, godlikeness, operate, the power of God, the functioning as in this fellowship that we have in Christ, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. You see, the cross is being viewed by the world. You can come back to 1 Corinthians 1. The cross is being viewed as as a sign of foolishness, defeat. How can God achieve anything through the death of some Jew some 2,000 years ago? How in the world can that event make a difference in your life today? And you know what the power of God says? It can, and it will. But you have to function and operate the way he has it designed to function and operate. That's why back here in verse 19 he says for it is written I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent where is the wise where is the scribe where is the disputer of this world hath not god made foolish the wisdom of this world why how is god destroying the wisdom of the world the wisdom of he's through it the preaching of the cross the cross comes in And the cross says, here's the answer to your eternal life problem, your sin problem, but also here's the answer to life and how to live life and how to go down through. Why? It's the power of God now, the promise of life that now is and that which is to come. The the come, eternity, the life now, get through it. How do I get through it? Verse 30, how do I get through it? How is God destroying the wisdom of the wise? He says, you know what? Ye are in Christ, who of God has made unto us wisdom. Think about that. Here's what the cross has made known. Here's what the revelation given to Paul has made known, the preaching of the cross. And Again, I'm not going to you know, re-go through we, when we went through there. Nobody preaches the cross like Paul preaches ever, 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 before or after. And he comes in, he says, ye are, what? In Christ. There's your pathway to heaven. How do I get to heaven? I have to be where? In the person of Jesus Christ. I've come in, I've trusted. The, again, the preaching of the cross has everything to do with what God is and co- and will continue to do for all of eternity through his son. And you're, I'm in him. How did I get any? I trusted he died for my sins, was buried, and rose again the third day. Faith alone, boom, and I'm in it instantly. How do I know that? God's word tells me that. He's made known unto me the mystery of his will. He's revealed it, the wisdom. And that's that issue there, uh, whom, who, who of God, who Christ Jesus, is made, is made. I, I love that, unto us. He's made. That's an important thing to catch with that made. All that we we need, we find where? In what God has already made His Son to be. Everything, anything that we need for now, today, and time, and for eternity, He's made unto us in His Son. So when life comes tumbling down around me, where do I go to look? Oh Dr. Phil, oh, Dr. Oh you know No. Oh, the, the the inspirational quote of the day. No. You know what? If the inspirational quote of the day worked, you wouldn't need it the next day. You wouldn't have to sign up for 365 of them. They would work. Instead what I, I come in and I by the way, nothing wrong with the inspirational quote of the day, okay? But it's the thought behind it. I had, a, I had a lady, she's with the Lord now, so I can tell on her. She sent me stuff all the time. I finally had to mute her, which was on Facebook at the time was her. They didn't have the mute, the snooze for a month thing or 30-day snooze. They didn't have, I had to, unf- because it was just constantly. And I had asked her privately, quit sending the stuff to me. <laughs> And she oh, and then it got worse. It was two a day then, you know. I'm like, all right, well, I'm not saying any more. I'll give them four a day. And but it was just that, you know. And it filled up everything. And it was like, wait a minute, I, good stuff I get, but it doesn't do anything, because I can't do it. Say, I've asked folks when they say, well, I've read that book. Have you guys ever read the Five Languages of Love book? How's that working for you? Because you can't do it. You can't. I've read it. I figured out my what my love language was. I tried to go do it. It's not her love language. It's my love language, and it ain't working. So then it, it, you follow what's, what works, who I am in Christ. Rather, when I look at Linda, my wife, I look at her as who she is in Christ. Christ, not trying to figure out how to stay, you know, happy wife, happy, how, happy life stuff, see. Made unto us what? Made. You see, all that we need, we find in what God has already made his son to be. Wisdom. This was last time. Wisdom. In what sense has he made wisdom unto us? And we looked at this. We've, we learned about, we learn about that glor, grand, glorious purpose that God the Father has vested in His Son. And then we learn about our participation in that plan and purpose, because where are we? In His Son. Come over, just one verse, Colossians 1. You see, the Father has placed His Son in a very unique and wonderful position. And because you and I are in it, we're joint heirs with Christ, Romans 8 tells us, then guess what? We're in that same position, Colossians 1.18. And He is the head, He, that's Christ, is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. That, all right, so why is He the head? Why is He the firstborn from the beginning, from the dead? that in all things he, that's Christ, might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. Preeminence, top dog. He's number one. So we learn the Father has placed his son in a position of prominence. He's a big deal. And what the Father, you can come back to chapter 1 now, or back to chapter 1, verse 30. The Father wants us to view the the Son the same way. He wants us to be filled with that purpose and plan and place that the Father has vested in His Son. He's the big deal. Why? Because we're where? Ye in Christ. We're in Him. We're a big deal. See? And when you get over into human wisdom, human wisdom says you're a big deal because you can do it. God's wisdom says you're a big deal because I did it for you and to you. See? Again, what is the offense of the cross? You can't do anything. That's what's offensive of it. The cross laid bare human wisdom that there's nothing humanly possible for you to do to get yourself to heaven. You have to come the way God said to come, prescribed, and it's through his son. Now, verse 30, again, he's made unto us wisdom. Again, in a very unique way, special way. Only Paul lets us know that. Then he says, he's made unto us righteousness. So again, in what sense is he made unto us righteousness? Because when you think about this, and again, you have to remember, remind yourself, you have no righteousness of yourself. Isaiah 64, our righteousness is as filthy rags. Okay? We're going to go over there to Romans 3 here. You see, Scripture tells us that our righteousness is as filthy rags, and then it turns around and says, Yet Jesus was made to be our righteousness, made unto us righteousness, because man doesn't have it. And for the very first time, again, in Paul's epistles alone, we find the details of what Christ did so that you as a sinner... Guess what? You weren't righteous. You were a sinner. Romans 5:8. But God committed his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners. When you came to Calvary, you know your condition was sinner. Not righteous. Sinner. Ungodly. Enemy. Weak. You're 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 that's who you the righteousness of God. How can Christ be made righteousness unto us? so that you and I as sinners can possess this, that righteousness. How does that work? Again, by the way, this isn't John 3.16. We looked at that a couple weeks ago. It's not John 3.16. It has nothing to do with this. It rather, Paul here is declaring that now that Christ is made righteousness, again, in what sense? A, in the sense of a unique truth on how God can justify the sinner through the work of his son, not the sinner doing something. So when you hear religion say, just stop sinning and you'll go to heaven. You can't stop sinning as a sinner. You don't have any mechanisms to do that. I know, know, as soon as you say that, well, I don't steal and I don't cheat. Yeah, but you're a liar. And all liars have their place in the lake of fire, Revelation says. see. Well, I don't. I don't lie. You just lied. You know, how many people in this room are liars? No hands go up. All right, we'll ask the wives. <laughs> you know, yeah, exactly. Say, and that's a joke. Okay, so don't email me. All right, <laughs> it's amazing. I, I, I and the folks that emailed me about earlier, they genu- I know them, and and we we I answered them, and then I we we laughed about it. Okay, come over to Romans three. So. The Corinthians, again, they're trying to find the answer to the problems of life. And they're trying to find it in human philosophy, human reasoning, human rationale. And Paul says, no, you need to go back to the graveyard. You need to go back to the cross. You want to find out the problem of your sin? You need to remember who you are in Christ and who are now in Christ. What can you do? You can, Titus two 13. Titus 2.12, you can deny ungodliness and unrighteousness and live soberly and righteously in this evil world. How can I do that? Because it's not I, it's who? It's Christ. You see, it's not me, it's Christ. I have somebody on board now that can help me stop doing what? Sinning. I can't stop it in myself. There's no philosophy, there's no inspirational quote out there that will help me stop sinning. Because the moment I quit thinking about whatever, there, then there I go. See? You see, they, Paul, go back. To, you need to find out, you need to remind yourself how God is able to make his son our righteousness. Look at Romans 3. And let's develop this out just a little bit here. Again, made. That little word, made. He's made God whom God made unto us. God did something unnatural with his son. There's a transaction that's that's being that that happens between the father and the son. A transformation is happening here. That is not natural. Jesus Christ is not naturally a sinner. But he was made, see, something. Uh, the Father's doing something through the Son on, your, on our behalf that's not natural. You know who you are naturally? A sinner. That's who you are naturally. We've had conversations in the past really amongst some of the younger folks about babies who, 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 come, who are born and then who die. And, and, and uh, I, I don't like the, uh, that, the terminology age of accountability. Because there is none in the age of grace, all right? And people kick it around, and it's a theological term. And it actually, it's a term to do nothing but divide and cause division, okay? Israel had one, great. You and I don't have. So we've been talking about that issue, and, and like the aborted children and everything. Why? Because by nature, what is that baby? A sinner. That's what five Romans 5.12 says, Let's see? See, naturally, you are what? A sinner. Now, you're innocent until you understand the issues between good and evil and right and wrong, and then the law comes in. That's what Romans 5.13 is, is indicating there as well. Okay, So you've got things going on there. My point is, is you and I, <laughs> there's, you naturally are a sinner. If he's going to make you righteousness, that is an unnatural thing. Follow, catch what we're doing here? Follow? Okay. So that word made is, is very uh, integral and very important. Look at verse 11, 311, Romans 311. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. You know what you never did? Seek God. Think about that Verse. You don't understand, and you never saw him. And yet, while, by the way, you ought to be very thankful that while you were this verse, you were this verse, who had our best interest in mind? The Father did, see. who had Who, who chose to love you? The Father did. Who chose to to implement this grand, glorious plan of redemption, Titus 1.2, before the world began? The Father did. You see, we didn't look for it. You weren't out seeking it. You're Romans 5-8, yet while we were yet sinners, you were a sinner, and yet what did the Father do? The Father says they need help. (laughs) Look at them. Yeah, they're running around with their head cut off, you know. It's, they don't know what anything is. They're not. So then what does he do? Verse 21, But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifest, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You see, it's unto all, upon all them that believe. Why? There's no difference. All are sinners. There's God is not a respecter of persons today. In time past, He was very much a respecter of persons. You had to be in Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. He respected that line of people. Boom. Today, there's no respect of persons. Why? We're all sinners. Verse 24, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Now watch verse 25, whom God set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remissions of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say, at this time His righteousness, that He might be just and, and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Notice what God the Father did. He made. How was Christ made? Well, it begins with the Father taking his son, verse 25, whom God hath what? Set forth. You see, he set him forth. God the Father aggressively. S- Puts on disp- open display, human or public humiliation, his son. He set him forth. He didn't hide him in the corner over here, saying, "You just do that, and everybody will be good." He didn't put him in a trinket. He didn't put him in a box. He set him forth. He put him out there, and that in that issue there of to be a propitiation, that fully satisfying payment for the sin. He it was in the sense... It's in that sense that he set him forth. Here's the sin offering. Here's the trespass offering. It's open, violence, violently ugly. Again, God the Father set forth violently, offensively, horrific, terrifying. Puts him out there on public display for all to see and kills him. Romans 3. 25. See that? That's this isn't something done over here under cloak and dagger in the dark of night. By the way, that's where they held his trial. See. No, he's set forth. Uh, come over to Galatians 3. Hold on. Slip something in Romans. We'll be right back to it here. Well, maybe. Yeah. You can let Romans go. We'll come back into it in a minute. Galatians 3. You see, when, when Christ when whom god made unto us righteousness this isn't this is this is a very open public demonstration not something hidden over here that paul then picks up and says oh by the way we did the, he did this in the closet over here paul is revealing now the manner in which all of in the manner in which god the father can say to the son I'm going to make righteousness to those sinners. Here's the redemptive plan, and let's get this done. And they go do it. Now, look at verse 13. Think about being made. Uh, Galatians 3.13, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. You see how God is making his son to be something for us? By the way, only Paul reveals this. All I will, he says, I'm going to make my son to be for you what you should have been. You are a sinner. You desperately need something, and I'm going to make it, I'm going to take care of it through my son. And how you're going to get it is by getting into my son, and how you get into my son is by faith and faith alone. That's how we're going to do this. Think about being made. He was being made a what? A curse for us. Now, think about what's happening in this verse. Come back with me to, we've got time. Come back with me to Deuteronomy 21. And just see this issue about cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Because it comes out of Deuteronomy 21, starts in verse 18. God the Father looks at humanity and says, You're a sinner in a desperate need. And I'm going to make my son be the answer to your desperate need, and there's nothing that you can do to participate in it. Deuteronomy 21, verse 18, If a man have a stubborn and rebellious son. Now, don't we all? If you've had children, don't you all? Okay, so there's a little more going on in stubborn and rebellious than them just disobeying you, okay? If your children disobey you, they're not rebellious, Okay. There's something. There's. This is a deeper issue here. But keep reading, which will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, and that when they have chastened him will not hearken unto them. Then sh- see how deeper it went. Then them just this. I mean, it's this is down now into their core. Okay. Then shall his father and his mother lay hold on him and bring him under the elders of his city and under the gate of his place. And they shall say unto the elders of the city, of his city, This our son is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. See how it just got deeper? This isn't just, you know, little Johnny's telling you no because he doesn't want to do something. This is down deep in their nature. By the way, this doesn't apply to you and I today, okay? Because you have no government that will do what this verse is about to do. All right? Uh, I guess the closest thing we might have would be Juvie Hall, but, but that's crimes against society, not disobeying mom and dad. I'm afraid today they probably would go after mom and dad and let the kid go free. So, but anyway, and all the men of the city, verse 21, and all the men of the city shall stone him with stones that he die. So shalt thou put evil away from among you, and all Israel shall hear and fear. And if a man have committed a sin worthy of death, and he, be, and, and he be to be put to death, thou hang him on a tree. His body shall not remain all night upon the tree, but thou shalt in any wise bury him that day, for he that is hanged is accursed of God, Okay, that thy land be not defiled, which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance. Now, think about that. We have a rebellious son. You take him to the judgment seat, to the city of elders, and what do they do? They're going to stone him, okay? But then God says, there's something else here you have to do to that rebellious son. You have to hang him on the tree. And what the hanging on the tree does, it's not talking about his body being accursed, it's rather it has to do with God is saying, I, what I want all of Israel to see is how I'm going to deal with rebellion and how I'm going to deal with rebellion as I'm going to go out there and I'm going to say, let them hang, and I'm going to hang them. Now, the Lord's hung on a tree. it fulfills This is fulfilled, but he's not a rebellious son. Christ never rebelled. Actually, Isaiah 50. Hold on here. If you look at Isaiah 50. You see, the reason he's cursed is because God pronounced it a curse. Hanging somebody up on a tree isn't a curse. It's what it represents. It's the picture. Isaiah 50. If you look at verse 5, the Lord God, the Father here, hath... Opened mine ear. I was not rebellious, neither turned away my back. You see, the son wasn't rebellious. You can't call Christ cursed. First Corinthians 12 tells you that. See. Why then was he made a curse for, for you? Because you are the rebellious son. God the Father takes the Son, sets Him forth, thrust Him out there as the curse. Do you follow? see what's going on here? He's making something happen. He made the Son to be righteous for you. He made the Son to be the cursed for you. So come back to Romans 8. Romans chapter 8. Romans 8. This issue of to be set forth, it depicts a violent sacrifice, and it is exactly what the Father is doing. It should have been you and I. But the father said, "You know what? Titus one two. We made this agreement before the world began to provide the redemption program plan for man. So, son, you're up. It, now it's in my son. Now look at eight thirty two. Romans eight thirty two. He that sp- he. If God before us, who can be against us? God the Father. He. God the Father that spared not His own Son." But delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? And that is exactly what he's getting at in 1 Corinthians 1.30. You think you can get... Everything you need to, you think you can get the answers to life's problem. You think you can get to know God deeper. Coming from a human wisdom viewpoint, human philosophy, human thought, Freudism, all of that nonsense. And you know what? No, 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 no. All you're going to get is trouble. Look at what's happening to you. All of the immorality, all of the problems. Rather, you want to answer all that, who are we going to do? We're going to come up here and we're going to find it in who we are in Christ. Spared not his son. By the way, Paul is the only one that says that God the Father killed God the Son. Right there. Acts 2, Peter says, Israel, you did it with wicked hands. Isn't that interesting? Paul says, No. Yeah, yes, it was Israel. Yes, it was Rome. But it was also by the wisdom of God, by the plan, that grand, glorious plan and purpose that the father had vested in his son. His son goes and dies, and the father spared not, held nothing back. There's no mercy, full-on wrath being poured out, no reprieve. No, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. When Jesus Christ is in the garden and he looks over there and he says there, he says, Father, if it's possible, man, can this cup pass by before the Father can even answer the question, which is really not a question. Actually, when he says, Father, if it's possible, will this cup go, it's not a question of, is there another way out? It's a are you sure we're doing this? In other words, we're gonna go through with it, but are you sure? Hey, you've done that before with people. Here's the agreement, here's what we're gonna do. Now, are you sure before we before we take step one? This is what we're doing. Yep, step one's what we're doing. All right, we're in it. We're and now we can't stop till when? Till the end. See, he's not asking, did you find a loophole? There is no loophole. See. That's why in Matthew 26. Verse 53, the son is saying here, thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my father and he would presently give me more than 12 legions of angels? The the son knows. The father can say, yes, stop, we're done. So it isn't a question of can he or would he. The question is, is we're on the same page on the plan, right? We got the plan, we're on the same page. Because the very next verse, 54, says, But how then shall the Scriptures be fulfilled, that thus it must be? You know what the son knew? The son knew he was the only one that could go and die the sacrifice, to be the propitiation. Why? No one else could do it. See, Nobody could do that. Only he could. So his question to the father isn't really a question. It's, a okay, father, I'm on page 6, At point number four, is that where you're at? The Father says, yeah, that's where. All right, we're going to point number five. It's the next thing. Rather than, hey, can you get me out? Why? Because there's no mercy. There's no reprieve. You go back to Psalms 22. Ah, eh. Psalms 22 and Psalm 69, two great psalms on what's going on at Calvary and the mindset. Psalms 22, the first 21 verses, where where we get a look into the mindset of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me? And from the words of my roaring... Oh my God! I cry in the daytime, but Thou hearest not. In the night season, and I am not silent. So there's the daytime as He's hanging there; those first three hours. The nighttime, the night, the three hours of darkness. There they are. But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest in, in the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in thee, they trusted, and thou didst deliver them. They cried out and were delivered. They trusted in thee and were not confounded. See the, con- the confusion here in the Lord's mind. I'm your son, and I'm crying out to you, and you're not listening to me. But these people, your people, they're wandering in the wilderness, boohooing about everything, and you listen to them and help them. What's the difference? What am I missing? Well, look at the next verse. But I'm a worm and no man, a reproach of them and despised of all people. Right there, is 2 Corinthians 5.21. So run over to 2 Corinthians 5.21. A great verse. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. For he, the Father, hath made him, the Son, to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God, where? In him. Jesus Christ, by nature, is sinless. But an unnatural event took place at Calvary, and he was what? made to be sin. So then he can do another unnatural event and make you righteous, you the righteousness of God, but make you that where? In him, see? There's a transformation that's against nature here. The Lord being made sin, and you and I being made righteous. That's unnatural. Should never be the case. By the way, if you go back there to Psalms 22, verse 7, they, they that see me laugh me to scorn. They shoot out their lip and they shake their hand, head, saying, He trusted on the Lord that he might deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing he delighted. And the, their tongue, They shoot out their lip. He made all those claims and look at him. He's just hanging there. But thou art he that took me out of the womb. Thou didst make me hope when I was upon my mother's breast. I was cast upon thee from thy womb, and thou art my God from my mother's belly. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. You see how the hopelessness is setting in in the soul of our Savior? He's looking around going, wait a minute, there's trouble coming. There's an adversary coming. The bulls of Bashan. Many bulls have compassed me. Strong bulls of Bashan have beset me. The bulls of Bashan, that's the leaders of Israel, that apostate nation. They're all around him. Hey, come on down. You said you're the king and you'd resurrect. Come on down. Prove it to us. Show it to us. I am poured out like water. By the way, they gaped me up with their mouths as a ra- ravening and a roaring lion. Who's the lion? That's the roaring lion, seeking to whom he may devour. There's Satan, the adversary. It's on. I'm poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my bowels. My strength is dried up like a potsherd. My tongue cleaveth to my jaws. And thou hast brought me into the dust of death. For dogs have compassed me. By the way, who are the dogs? The Gentiles. There's Rome have compassed me. The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. There's the apostate Israel. They pierced my hands and my feet. The only way you know that's to be the case is that right there, that verse right there. Isaiah 53 is the only way you know that they plucked his beard. And, and, and Okay, uh, verse 17, I may tell all my bones. They look and stare upon me. They part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. But be not thou far from me. O Lord, O my strength, haste thee to help me. Deliver my soul from the sword, my darling, from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth, for thou hast heard me from the horns of the unicorn. You see where the son is just relied upon? He just relied upon his father, keeping his word. You know what the father's word was? I won't let you see corruption. Your soul won't see corruption. I'll resurrect you. You go do, and I'll I'll resurrect you. I'll bring you. You are life. I'll take. And he's like, I'm depending upon that. You see, the faith of Jesus Christ was a complete and total dependence upon the word and the will of His Father. And you and I are to live in that same thought process. So, by the way, we don't have. You can go look at Psalm 69. Man, Psalm 69, it depicts, it's describing death. You want to know what it is to die? People, oh, I can't wait to die, so I experience it. (laughs) Do you know what it is to die? Somebody was telling me that they got a, uh, they saw a young lady saying, you Christians, you Christians, leave me alone. I want to go to hell. Just leave me alone. Well, Psalm 69 gives you a great picture of it. Verse 2, I sink in deep mire where there is no standing. I am come into the deep waters where the floods overflow me. I am weary of my crying. My throat is dried. Mine eyes fail while I wait for God, for my God. They that hate me without a cause are more than the hairs of my head. Drop down to, to verse oh, wow, 14. Deliver me out of the mire. And let me not sink. Let me be delivered from them that hate me and out of the deep waters. Let not the water flood overflow me, neither let the deep swallow me up. And let not the pit shut her mouth upon me. Deep water sinking, that constant feeling of falling, never ending, never coming to a uh, it, it's similar to that issue of the bottomless pit idea, just bottom, just no. And the issue of death is described here as drowning, not able to, not able to stand up, not able to catch, not able to, to have a moment of respite, a constant falling, a constant falling. And you can continue out. Go back to, to uh, 1 Corinthians 1. You see, this issue here, you will never find any of that in human wisdom. And that's Paul's point. He was made our righteousness. If you go and try and find the answers to the problems of life in human wisdom, human philosophy, human tradition, you are denying who you are in Christ. And that's a bold statement that we all need to pay attention to. You can say, you are saying that the preaching of the cross is not enough. You've got to go help them, and I'm going to do it by doing this book, this inspirational quotes, whatever it is. And Paul's saying, again, you're saying God's word isn't enough. God's activity isn't enough. I've got to help him. He didn't do it right. I know better. You see see the pride come in there, you know, real quick? Paul says, no, the Father has made unto us the Son. He's our wisdom and He's our righteousness. You see, the Son, come come back real quick, Romans 3. We didn't finish there. We got a few minutes and we'll be done. Romans 3. You see, the Son performed the work of redemption. And that work of redemption is intended to g- grip your soul. And it will grip your soul when you begin to understand all that the Son accomplished. He's our wisdom. Why? Because He's our righteousness. He's our wisdom, but He's our righteousness. If you look there at Romans three twenty-five. He was set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remissions of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. In time past, how was God the Father able to forgive the sins of his people as they came and did what the law required them to do? How did they, how in the world can he look at that blood on the altar on the mercy seat in the holy of all? And how can he, and how? Because what did the Father know? The Father knew Calvary was coming, that the propitiate. So to declare his righteousness of time past. Verse 26 to declare, I say, Paul says, at this time, his righteousness. Now, that's the but now. So the power of God causes that believer to understand. Everything I have is in him. Everything. And he's the one who offered up his soul for me. So, why in the world would I ever want to go and dabble in stuff over here when he's the one? Uh, 2 Corinthians 5. You see, this is much more than just Paul being upset with the Corinthians. Or upset with you and I. This is something that gets down into the intrical, in, the intrical networking and in the in the minutia of how you think and operate. Second Corinthians five. Oh, I'm in Galatians. That doesn't work. Look at verse fourteen. For the love of Christ constraineth us. Because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live. Okay, so you were dead in your trespasses and sins, now you're alive in Christ. How should you live? Well, on Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, I'll live for him. On Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays, I'm doing my thing. And on Sunday, we got to go to church, so I guess, all right, that's his day. That's not what that says, is it? How should you be living? They which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh, Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh. Have we known Christ after the flesh? Yeah, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and Acts does it for you. Yet now henceforth know we Him no more. Know we Him no more how? After the flesh, after Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So guess what? I don't spend any time in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Okay? All that is given for me to learn, it's there for my learning. It's not there for my obedience. Romans 15, we've seen that. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, that God was in Christ, Jesus was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then we are ambassadors... For Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For He hath made Him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Where is everything said? It sits over there in hell. How should I be living? Now, that doesn't mean you go quit your job. It doesn't mean you go do... He's talking about now we have a new perspective on life, don't we? Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become what? New. Well, I, got a new I got a new viewpoint here now as who, of who I am. But it came from understanding not Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but Romans to Philemon. It came to understanding Christ the way Paul has revealed Him. Why? Because chapter 1, verse 30, "...who of God has made unto us wisdom and righteousness." And then he says, and sanctification and redemption, and we'll get sanctification next time because that's your walk in time. That's where we're at in 2 Corinthians 5. Okay, So yes, he is our wisdom in the sense of that unique plan and purpose, that grand plan and purpose of the Father. But then he is our righteousness in the sense that God the Father set him forth, put him out there on public open open display and said, there's the redemption right there. You want my righteousness, which is what God's holiness says. you got to have perfect righteousness. By the way, you ain't got it. You weren't seeking it. You weren't looking for it. I provided it for you. It's in my son. And how are you going to come to me? You're not going to come to me by your activity, by your working. I, I sat with Bob and Ann this past week. We were talking. Visit. I was visiting with them. And, uh, you know, hey, all these people that, that believe they get, you know, that Christ died for your sins and was buried and rose again, and then you gotta go get water baptized. No. Where verse show show me those ver that verse. There is no verse like that. Just says, believe the Lord, believe the shed blood, death, burial, and resurrection. The and baptized stuff, that's religion. That's adding to it. That's saying Calvary was not enough. And Paul says, That's not how you and I operate as believers. Calvary is enough. We go back to Calvary. Okay. All right. Dearly Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. And above all, Lord, we just thank you for who we are in your son, for all the spiritual blessings, for the completeness, for everything that you've given to us in him, and for the work that you have for us to do today in the age of grace as your ambassadors. In your name we pray. Amen.